Welcome back to another episode of the Effort of Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, Gabe Yamas and I, we're back on the mic. Start off talking about books, then dive into Gabe's new nutrition coach, and finish it up talking about a recent hotel workout that I had where I kind of, you know, caused the scene. But anyways, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you do, simple ask, tell a friend about it. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. If you're enjoying these episodes of Gabe on a weekly basis, maybe you're enjoying the Copley Kleepas, either one. They're both awesome. I hope you're enjoying them. If you're a gym owner, get fired up. It's 2023. It's a great time to impact members' lives. We talk about that today a little bit on the podcast about sales, about getting people in the door. So make sure you enjoy this episode. Make sure to have an awesome 2023. Let's dive in a great episode with Mr. Gabe Giannis. Let's go. Finally, after about 15 minutes of trying to figure out the audio, we're just going with what we got. So Hey, I thought a good way to start this uh, episode off is by rocking my secret, uh, what do we call, not not secret Santa, it was, um, what do you call that game that we played? Oh, um, White Elephant. White Elephant. I thought a great way to start it off is right here, rocking my EBITDA hat. So yes. <laughs> for, for, for those who don't know what EBITDA is, it's earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And, uh, and, you know, EBITDA is like a major, major component of, of a business. You really want to get a great EBITDA. That's a, that's a good goal. And as part of this, uh, white elephant, this was, uh, one of the, one of the, one of the sought after items and I ended up winning it. It's a green EBITDA hat could not be more plain and just like simple. And <laughs> it's perfect. Here we are. That's right. And for the record, that was, that was my gift and it was everything I wanted it to be. Um, yeah, that's really fun. Yeah. It's the bottom line. It's the bottom line of the business. There's dude, you know what's funny? Top line it, revenue. And yeah. then there's bottom line EBITDA. Dude, you got EBITDA is, EBITDA is a big deal, but here's the question is that I won, I won your prize or I won your gift and you won my gift, which is interesting. Did you start the book yet? Did you get it? I didn't start it because I'm in the middle of something else, but I have it. Yeah. So it's the new David Goggins book called Never Finished. And um, I thought his first book was excellent. Did um, you read this one yet? No. And I was waiting for you to finish it and then send it to me. I'm too cheap to maybe go buy another <laughs> one. <laughs> did you read the first one or did you read the audiobook or listen to the audiobook? Because I've heard the audiobooks for his are good because it's a little podcast style. Like it has him actually reading it and adding some more stuff in. I, um, I actually think for that one, I might've done both because I, I enjoyed it so much. I, I 100% listened to the audiobook for, uh, can't, um, can't hurt me. Uh, and you're right. It's like, basically you'll read through like a chapter and then he'll be in the like recording room, um, where, he'll then add his insight on that chapter. It was, it, it's a, it's a really cool way that they did it for the first book. It was like bridging an audiobook and a podcast. And I imagine he's going to do similar for this book. Yeah, that's cool, man. No, I'm excited to get into it. I'm just um in the middle of another book right now. You know, one interesting thing that I heard the other day from, ah, oh, man, I forget who I heard it from. Someone that I follow on YouTube, but it was this idea that, you know, why finish a, a book and essentially he the argument he was trying to make is that like people sometimes feel like well if you start a book like you should finish it right and there's something there about hey you start something you should finish it but he was talking from like a perspective of like you know being a business owner just someone that like really wants to like absorb as much information as possible isn't it more effective to skim the majority of books just pick out the little pieces that you need. And like when you actually find a really good book that has a lot of value, like study that books. So he was very big about like, instead of reading every book one time through, most books you should probably just skim, get a couple things out of it. And then there's few books that you should like study, like read it once, read it twice and take notes, read it a third time, like really kind of try and take as much out of it from some of these really, really impactful books, instead of thinking that you have to read everything cover to cover just because it's like, well, if I started, I have to finish it, which was an interesting take because I definitely fall in the camp of like, well, I started this thing. And there's definitely been books where like, you know, I'm like halfway through and I'm like, you know, this is okay. Like, it's not great, but it's okay. But like, I, I don't know, there seems, something seems wrong about like, well, just moving on to the next one, having gone halfway through it. 
But his point, which I kind of like, and I'm going to start approaching my reading this way, at least is like, you know, if a book just isn't serving you and, you know, you're kind of like, well, there's just this one chapter I'm really interested in, or this is fine, but it's taking too much time. I can go online and read a summary of like what the main points are. Is that a better use of your time than feeling like you have to go cover to cover with every book everyone recommends or anything that you think you want to read? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. Sometimes I've started some books and I'll get like a quarter of the way in and I'll just be like, it'll like fizzle for me. And sometimes I feel like I'm not, um, I mean, I actually, I appreciate that perspective because sometimes I feel like I'm not completing a task that I told myself I wanted to. And I actually, I kind of beat myself up about it a little bit, but then again, there's been books that are super engaging. I feel like I get a lot out of them and I'll read through it in like a day or whatever it is. And I think, um, so maybe he has a point, you know, I mean, I think there is something to be said about like start and finish something, but at the same time, if you could just like kind of get the general gist of the book, if it's not really what you're looking for. And then if you find one, that's like that gem reread it a few times. Sure. I think it's just different, different approaches for, I, I, I could probably read more, more often for sure. I listen to more audiobooks. I used to listen to them all the time and I got out of the habit when I'm traveling and I need to get back into it. Yeah. It, it, again, you know, I, I mentioned this on the last podcast. I've talked it at nauseum. I think it's worth bringing up again though, because this will be the first podcast that comes out in January. And for me, a big shift of like really getting into reading and getting through a lot of books this year was because last January, you know, a habit that I worked on was phone out of the bedroom and it just bought so much extra time for me because now the only thing I do to go to sleep is read. And actually now I'm doing a lot more reading because I usually have to read in the middle of the night when I wake up because the baby's crying, I have to change the diaper and then I can't fall like right back to sleep. And it's... It, what puts me to sleep the most is picking up a book. So I'll get like another four to five pages, you know, now at like around midnight and around 3 a.m. when I have to wake up, change the diaper, and then I'm trying to go back to sleep as quickly as possible. Picking up the book is has served me a lot better than just trying to like close my eyes again and trying to sleep. Yeah, dude. Well, I mean, look, it's the middle of, uh, I mean, what? It's between Christmas and New Year's. Um, I, uh, I don't know if we talked about this. Oh, I did talk to you about this. The pastrami spa. Oh, the pastrami. Good. I spent so much effort on this pastrami. Like you talk oh, about know. effort. Like I put in the effort. I five day brine, woke up early on Christmas day to make sure got in the smoker, smoked it. But here's where I messed up. So I made two briskets. Both of them were like six pounds. So it's a decent amount of meat. And I wanted to see what would be better. When you're done smoking the meat, you wrap, so you basically smoke this as if you're smoking a brisket. So there's a few ways you do this, but one way is you smoke it to 160 degrees. Once you get to 160, you wrap it in um, butcher paper until it gets like 200 degrees. Once you get that done to 200, 204, you pull it off, you wrap it in a towel, you put it in a cooler and you let it rest for like three or four hours. That's like option A. Another option that my buddy told me about was you wrap it at 160, you take it off at 204, 200, whatever. And then you put it into the oven at 160 degrees indefinitely, like for hours and hours and hours. So let all that meat, you know, let it all rest back, keep all the juices inside. So Ashton and I were having a debate on which one was gonna be a better technique. So I wrapped one in a red towel, one in a white towel. And basically I put one in the oven and one in the cooler. But before we ate, I'm like, oh, let me, let me put them both in the oven for a little bit just to make sure they're both at room at hot temperature. And then I messed up which one was which. And so we couldn't tell which <laughs> one was, it was just such a shit show. Like, and because I, I really wanted to see, Hey, which one's better? The one that goes in the cooler or the one that goes in the oven. And I had it all separated. I really put some thought into it. And then with 10 minutes before we ate, so, Oh yeah, let's put them both in there. And then after that, I just forgot. So that was the my Tommy story. The scientific method gone wrong. Dude. It was fine though. Um, so yeah, we had- was, what, was one any better than the other though? I know that's you didn't know which one, but there was no. one that like tasted better than the other. Yes, dude, that's the issue. Is that <laughs> one, one, one was definitely more tender than the other by like let's just say five percent, whatever that is. And so Ashley's like, "Oh, which one was that? The one that you put in the oven? I bet you it is." And I was like, "Ah, oh, shit!" And so I had forgot. So, anyways, that was my Christmas. Uh, do my wow. <laughs> yeah. Our Christmas, my, my father-in-law got a whole lamb. So we had a whole lamb. We had pastrami, just like a hodgepodge of a bunch of random stuff. And uh, yeah, we had a, it was great. So 
Yeah, now getting ready for New Year's. I'm gonna be doing it again. I'm doing up pastrami again because I, I want to redeem myself and finally see what the what the right way is. And you're gonna do the experiment again. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yes, yes, that, I am. And that uh, that was that wasn't a convincing. Yeah. Well, I only got one pastrami this time, so it's not as many people. So I'm, I I gotta I gotta decide. Do I want to put it in the oven or the cooler? It's a really big decision. And uh, it, it, it sounds like it's a really big decision. <laughs> First world problems over here. <laughs> oh my God, dude, yeah. there's something else. Um, so I, I, this is a purchase I made recently. So we talk about how you fidget with stuff during calls and meetings all the time. Yeah, yeah. And um, so <clears throat> I ended up getting actually a paid ad for this and I ended up buying it. And it's a little silly, but it's actually been really fun because I fidget with stuff a lot too. Um, and usually what I find myself doing is like, bending stuff or like folding paper or doing stuff that like, and you know, I end up having to throw something out. So it's just putty and the, it, it's supposed to be like de-stressing dough, but it's essentially Play-Doh that was more expensive than Play-Doh, but yeah. it's been really nice. You, and you got marketed too, bro. Oh yeah. dude, so hard. But on that note, one thing that I do think is, is worth talking about a little bit. So I started working with a um, nutrition and accountability coach. And so spoiler alert for anyone at our NC Fit, uh, flagship locations, because it's something I'm super, super excited about. We're going to be launching nutrition and accountability coaching in 2023, early in 2023. How early? We're still trying to kind of work through some of the details. We're going through the certification process. And this is where me working with a coach comes in. Because what's cool is that the certification process that we're going through, part of like learning how to be a nutrition and accountability coach through them is that you have to become the client for six weeks. It's a good way to kind of understand like the other side of, of, of the table, you know, how it feels to be a client, how they do everything that they do, because you're getting coached by a nutrition coach at their HQ level per se. Um, so I, I started that process. I had my initial call. And one of the questions she asked me, which was interesting was, you know, how would you rate your level of stress right now? And I thought it was interesting because I, I, I'll, I would never be the one to tell you, like, you know me, I'm pretty easygoing. I never, I feel like I never get like super frazzled or like, you know, like super like high tension, which is great. But I think that that hasn't served me in that, um, like, I, I I will always tell you, hey, I'm not super stressed, but I, I feel like obviously there are times that are more high stress than others. You know what I mean? Because I was thinking 100%. about it. I mean, you're wearing a tank top right now, so you can't be that stressed. But yeah, no, <laughs> you're, you got to take, no, no, I, I get it. No, I agree with you. You can't always be like low key, right? Yeah. And one of the things that I noticed is, like little things tend to happen to me. And then I look back at it and I'm like, oh, this tends to be like a more high stress time in my life. Like it tends to be a more high stress season. Like last week I tweaked my back and I, I had a really bad back injury, you know, a couple of years ago, you remember, it was pretty bad. And like now every now and then it'll resurface a little bit doing something silly. Like this time it happened doing bicep curls of all things. It's not like I was doing a deadlift. I wasn't doing a squat. I was literally doing curls. And just on one rep, like my back just like seized up. And and I would, for two days I had to take off, nothing bad, but I, I definitely was hurting for a little bit. And so when the nutrition coach I was working with me asked me the stress question, it just got me thinking like whenever I look back at like when I tweak my back or get a little injury in the gym, it is always during a time where like, you know, maybe work is a little crazy, or I just came back from a lot of travel, or now, you know, we have a newborn, I'm not sleeping as well. So it opened my eyes to the fact that like, if you were to ask me, I don't think I would ever be like, yeah, I'm super stressed right now. But stress is a very real thing that like, sometimes you might not necessarily feel black and white, you might not necessarily, you know, be super anxious or whatever. But these things add up, not getting enough sleep adds up changes in work, travel, um, if your routine has been disrupted in any way. Uh, so it was like an interesting moment for me, since I'm now working with someone that, you know, is asking these questions to kind of, you know, put two and two together of when life gets a little crazy, I am a little bit more high stress, and I should adapt my nutrition and my training as so because when you're high stress, you're much more susceptible to injury, you're much more susceptible to 
overtraining or just like putting yourself into a deeper hole than if you were to like, you know, realize that, hey, things are different right now. I'm not getting best sleep. Maybe I should take my foot off the pedal a little bit and not burn the candle on both ends. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense for sure. Yeah, I think that a lot of that has to do too. Like if you're like kind of feeling anxious or stressed, I think you don't warm up as much either. Um, it, you know, it's something I think about. Like you're you're like, oh, I got to get in. I'm, I'm like, uh, you know, I've definitely had my um, moments of uh, of stress. And, uh, you know, I'll go into the garage or wherever and I'll like, like get after it. And those are the times where I have to be aware that like when you're in like that mindset of like, not angry, but like, um, like rushed, like, uh, anxious. I think those are really good opportunities to like do some body weight stuff, do some cardio stuff, but to try and avoid like, you know, and make sure you spend some time warming up. I, I mean, that's just something that I, I'm thinking about on a regular basis. Like, you know, am I in the, am I in the right mindset to put myself in the best position to be successful for that workout? If I don't have much time, if I'm rushed with the kit, whatever, I should probably just do something different because it's just not going to be a good situation all in all. That's why I love taking class here because when you take the class, you know, you're in the right mindset. It's a good environment and you just kind of flow with it. So, but I get what you're saying. That's cool that you're with the nutrition coach, though. I think that's a lot about practice you preach type of stuff where, you know, if we are going to be rolling out nutrition that you're going through it and so are other coaches so you can get a good, better understanding of the service and like the gaps and holes. I got to tell you about something, but I want to finish up this nutrition. And I got to tell you about uh, a car. I just got a new truck and I got to tell you about the experience, but go ahead. We'll, we'll finish the nutrition. Okay. So just on that note, not, not so much the nutrition side of it, but realizing that, you know, Hey, like injuries are real, especially when it's high stress. I think that now, cause this is going to come out, you know, first week of January, whether you're a coach out there, a gym owner, or just an athlete that maybe falls into this bucket, you know, a lot of people, January, right. Motivated new year, new me going to go back to the gym. I haven't been doing anything. I'm going to go five days a week. Just be careful, you know, and that doesn't mean don't go back to the gym. Obviously I love the fact that this is a time where people are motivated. They're going to get back after it. But I think that, Hey, if you're a gym owner, a coach, recognize that there's going to be a lot of people coming into the gym, super fired up, ready to get after it, that maybe haven't been doing as much the past two, three months. Deal with that accordingly, right? Like there is a lot of responsibility on our hands in the fitness space to welcome this crowd in January in a way to where they have a really good experience and they end up sticking around. Not so that they come in like guns blazing, go super crazy two, three weeks and either end up getting hurt or burnt out or just realize like, hey, this isn't for me because I'm so sore that I can't do anything outside of the gym, right? Like it, it, there's a lot of responsibility on fitness professionals, I think, in the next coming weeks to make sure that they have the processes and like systems in place to welcome a lot of these people that are fired up to get started and give them the best experience with fitness possible so that they can stick around. It's already a difficult enough decision for people to say, hey, I'm finally gonna take that step and go to the gym for them to then come in you not coach them appropriately, you not adjust workouts appropriately, and then have them have a shitty experience and go back to being sedentary on the couch. I think that that's, that's a shame if that happens. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think you're hitting the nail on the head for gym owners. I did a, a Kafka Klippa called like, our competitor is the couch. And so I was in a business meeting the other day with this guy. And he was telling me that like early on in his career, um, he worked at a conventional gym. And uh, one of his bosses, like the head of the gym, was asked by like a someone else, right? Hey, you know, so are you nervous opening up? Who are your biggest competitors? And the guy just said like, the, the, the person's like, hey, who are your biggest competitors? 24-hour fitness, you know, cross, whatever. And the guy's like, none of those are our competitors. Our competitor is the couch. And I thought that was really interesting because it basically in the Kafa Kalipa idea is all about like kind of like, rising the tides, you know, don't, don't, um, you know, your goal should not be to attract members from another gym down the street. Your goal should be to attract members for people that are getting off the couch for the first time. And I think that the new year is a really great opportunity where people are having those resolutions and they're ready to get started. And you got to open them with, you got to welcome them and, uh, find that right balance of like selling them on a vision while not like overselling them or over promising and encouraging them to like take their time because when they go too hard, too fast, a month or two later and they're gone. And that's not good for your business. 
or it's not good for that individual. And I had a very similar experience recently at a dealership about this. And it's just, it's, 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 it's related a little bit to this new year's resolution thing because people are going to come into the gym and they're going to be fired up and your job should be to support them along their journey. And you should sell them of course, because you believe in your product, but there's a line. And um, in my recent experience, this guy really took it too far and he really, really uh, just turned me away from, from what he was doing. Let's hear about it. I want to hear the car story. So, um, you know, I currently have an F-150 Raptor and I love this truck, but um, I drive a lot. I go to the different gyms and I'm, I'm, I'm in the car a lot. I put a lot of miles on that vehicle. And so I've been wanting to get an electric truck and F-150 finally came out with one. So I put in my name years ago, finally got what's called an F-150 Lightning. It's all electric and um, it's cool. I just got it, right? Well, my son is eight years old and I figure that I'm going to have this car for about eight years, give or take. And I think that this should be potentially his first car, right? Because when he turned 16, 15, whatever, I said, hey, look, why don't you come with me down to the dealership experience what it's like to buy this vehicle because one day this vehicle may be yours. Maybe not, but if it is, it'll be a cool story to say, hey, you were there when we bought this car. Plus, I want him to experience what it's like to buy a vehicle. So I take him down there and everything had already been pre-negotiated. There was no negotiation. I ordered the vehicle. I already knew how much it cost. I knew how much tax and license were. Like everything was done. All I should have had to do is go in there and get a key. And speaking of which, I think direct consumer vehicle is going to be the way of the future. But anyways, hundred percent. So I go in there and I'm just expecting to go in there, you know, you know, finish up the documents and then leave. And I told Kate, I was like, Hey, this process could be pretty quick or it could be really painful. We'll find out what happens. And so all is good. And then the guy across the table, man, he just, he just took it too far. He just, we were talking about the warranty. And I think because the car, the, the truck that I got, it was electric. Um, and there was no like additional, like, uh, because I ordered it, there was no like, um, dealer markup. So they weren't making money on me on the, on the vehicle. And so they wanted to make money on me on the warranty. And this guy was being cool. And then he just went so hard. And so he's going over the warranty and I'm like, Hey, look, man, like I'm perfectly happy with current warranty. Like I'm good. And he goes, Oh, well, it's my job to go over the rest of it. So let me go through it. And, I, and then he goes, about 10 minutes later, I'm like, look, I'm just letting you know, I'm not interested in the additional warranty. Um, I appreciate this part of your job, but I'm okay. We can move on. And he just went on and on and on. It went from like, hey, I'm appreciating his sales and his ability to try and share this, this potential opportunity with me to just becoming like over the top. And he's like, he brought the price down from 6,000 to 3,000. He, he like tried every trick in the book. And I'm sitting there with my son. I'm like, dude, this is it. It was just a really good example of how you could go into somewhere. And I could have left being like, that was great. But instead I left like this guy went for probably about 45 minutes without exaggeration on just the warranty. I was there for about an hour and a half and there was no documents to sign other than like the paperwork. And it's just like that fine line where I left having a really bad taste in my mouth. I got an email today um, asking for my review and I just, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to throw anybody under the bus. I just let it go. But anyways, that's, that's my experience. Like, and then, yeah, just little stuff, man. It's just, it, it, it was, if that was the experience of someone's coming in your gym, you have to be really careful. Like you want to be able to sell and, and encourage and support. But then there's a point where maybe someone isn't ready. And if you go too far, they're never coming back in. Like, I don't think I'll ever go back into this dealership again. I know cars are different than the gym, but I'm just using that as an example. Yeah, but I mean, it's not different in that, you know, it's it requires you being a people person and being able to like navigate that fine line between what I always say, being pleasantly persistent and like recognizing that, hey, you're now like diminishing the experience that they're having, um, you know, have, doing business with you. But, you know, I, I, I do think that that's, I don't know, I, it's tough because especially in the in the gym space, I feel like coaches are already so hesitant to sell, right? Like we've had this come up time and time again at our own gym, right? Like we have hands down and I might be biased, but hands down, I think the best coaches in the world, like you put them against anyone else, group class coaching. Like we're definitely, we're definitely biased. Let's be clear. But yes, I, I, 
I agree with you, but we're definitely biased. <laughs> Maybe just a little bit, but I think objectively they're the best in the world. Anyway, you know, but you know, when it comes and we've tried many different ways to do this, you know, when it comes to, okay, now you, you also need to have this skill set of selling people, you know, it kind of becomes deer in headlights for a lot of people that are absolutely the best in the world at getting in front of a big group, varying skill levels and delivering a top-notch fitness experience. And what I what I'm hesitant to kind of put out there, because I know we have a lot of coaches and a lot of gym owners that listen, is like, hey, this thing of like being too salesly like pushes you away. And it because I think that that connotation already exists. I'm not saying that the experience you had probably wasn't like objectively bad. And this guy just didn't know how to like, you know, read the room, read the body language and be like, hey, this guy isn't getting the warranty at this point. I'm just giving him a bad experience. But I would like to just kind of put a disclaimer out there that I understand that people can sometimes use that as an excuse to not, I think, you know, really learn and fine tune a skill that I think is like absolutely necessary. Whether you're a coach responsible for selling stuff or not, like being able to sell is so important because it's not necessarily always selling people on like, hey, Jason, I want you to buy or sign up for the service. Like it's being able to like, you know, prove your point and, you know, be, uh, you know, super articulate in explaining like why you think we should go left if the rest of the team thinks you should go right, which is an, a really important skill to have, I think, in any job. So I, I would just make sure that people don't use kind of those anecdotal stories, which again, I think are very true to, you know, continue to shy away from really embracing being sales forward in the fitness space. Well, I think it brings up a really good point. Um, I think in the fitness space, our job should be to try and solve a problem for the member. That's what we should be trying to do is what is the problem we're trying to solve? Okay. We want to improve their health and wellness. We want to help them lose 20 pounds. We want to increase strength, whatever the problem is. Right. I think having a conversation with that member and understanding that is step number one in this particular case, he was not trying to solve a problem for me. He was <laughs> just trying to, and it just came across like, literally, I just want to make money on this commission. What is it going to take for me to get you to do this? And it, it just, it came off really bad. And I, I know that they're completely different industries. It, it just, it left a really sour taste in my mouth. But I think for us at the gym, it's having a conversation with that person. Because this could have all been avoided, honestly, if the sales guy I was talking to had just done a better job of listening to me. Like, I was sharing with him, like, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm doing. I've already done this. Can you help me with these things? And I could have left there with a phenomenal experience if he had leaned into the things I was asking to solve a problem for, like how to operate the vehicle. No one showed me that, but then everything else about the warranty. <laughs> and so I think if we're listening as coaches, as owners, we're going to be able to identify better. What are the goals for this person for 2023 and how can we help them get there? Because chances are, if it's a fitness goal and they're coming to your gym, you should believe you're the best person to help them achieve that. And I hope you are. So, yeah, we got a lot of exciting things coming up in the in the fitness space. I mean, obviously here at NC Fit. Be, before we move on, programs. though. Yeah, go ahead. Just be, before we move on, because I want to play devil's advocate a little bit here. I like so, it. Push. Yeah. You're no, in the room with this guy. This guy was bad. Guy was bad. <laughs> Dude, I'm not, I'm not discounting the fact that he was bad. I'm sure he was, actually. But just to kind of make this relate back to, to, to our space, because I do think it's important. You know, say a member comes in, right? And like what you just said is we have to listen to members and kind of listen to like what they're coming in for. If they come in and they're like, Hey, like I want to look better and feel better. And that means I want to do more cardio. And it looks like your workouts don't have enough cardio. Like, do you have a class that's just cardio and the price is a little too high? Like I would like to pay this much for this type of class. Like at what point is it okay for you to be like, okay, great. Like you're not going to get that here you should go find somewhere else to get that versus like really trying to tell them that like, no, 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 like that isn't exactly what you need. What you need is to, you know, external load a couple times a week. Like I think you're going to benefit a lot more than that. And how long do you prolong that conversation of really trying to explain to this person like, hey, I understand the problem that you want a gym to solve, but you have it wrong on how they are going to solve it or at least how to solve it as quick as possible. We have the right solution, convince you of that, and then also convince you of the fact that like, even though you think this might be too expensive, it isn't because it's going to solve the problem that you've been like banging your head against the wall to solve for months. And sure, like you're saying, hey, I can't really afford $223 a month, but I know that if you 
you know, replace the five Starbucks runs every week and just make coffee at home, that'll pay for this gym membership and you'll save money and reach your goals a lot faster. Like me giving that spiel might sound incredibly salesy and pushy, but at what point is that balance, right? Because what you are doing is literally solving the problem that they came to solve by giving them the right information and finding a way for them to budget it into their, into their lives. So at what point is that being too pushy versus just being like, all right, well, if anything changes, like let us know and just letting them be on their way. Yeah. I think a lot of that has to come with like reading the room, understanding your audience and having good, um, you know, um, not IQ, but um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but the, you know, being able to pick up on, on that individual, I think you're spot on, right? You're trying to solve a problem, share with them how you can help solve it. But at some point, if you're talking to this person for 20, 30, 40 minutes and, <laughs> and, you know, they might not be the right fit for the, for the, you know, there's just a fine line. I think you have to have that like inquisitive understanding that you cannot not say anything. That's the biggest problem we have, right? Where you cannot not try and sell at all, but you also can't be so over the top and which, you know, I don't even think this is a problem in our industry. So I, I, I appreciate us talking about it. I just think in the fitness space, unless you go to like, you know, back in the day, back in the day, I was a part of some like pretty aggressive sales tactics. Oh yeah. But I think in the functional training space, like this isn't necessarily an issue. If anything, I think we're on the opposite side where I, we don't, we don't try and sell at all, frankly. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I don't think anyone or very few people in the functional fitness, CrossFit, micro gym space are being too salesy to try and get someone to convert. I agree. What I'm saying is that I want to make sure that us saying that, you know, being salesy left the uh, you know wrong taste in your mouth d gives people another excuse to continue doing what I know people are doing, which is like, hey, would you like to sign up? Oh, okay, great. You need to think about it. Don't worry about it. Here's the card for our manager. Email her if you have any questions. Like, what yeah. are we doing? Like, we can't continue to do that and expect our businesses to grow. Like, we can't. There's more onus on the coach, on the front desk staff, on the owner, especially when you have the person there in front of you that just took class and had a great experience to really push them past the goal line and sign up for something because they came into your gym to solve a problem that you are uniquely positioned to solve. You letting them go and think about it at home and then probably get distracted with the kids and then they end up not doing it is an incredible disservice to that person. And, and I will say this one positive note is that I was looking for a positive sales experience, meaning I'm okay with someone making me feel like they really want me a part of their like warranty service, right? I'm okay with that. <laughs> it's just like, I'm, I'm down. I even said it like, look, I really appreciate this. I, I, I get it. I am just not like, I think that there's, again, from a, from a gym perspective, there's also something to be said about like, people want to at least feel like they're at least being sold a little bit. Like you really want them to be a part of what you're doing. I think this idea of like, Oh yeah, a great class, just leave. I think we got to, we got to give more than that and less than what this guy gave me is, is what I'm For trying sure. A hundred percent. No, I, I, I agree with that. A hundred, a hundred percent. But it was a good experience for Caden to see because from a, from a kid, you know, Caden, uh, uh, he has an interest in business for sure. And I involve him on many, many uh, business calls. He's in the gyms. He's, He's around this stuff. So it's not unique to him, but I think it was a good experience for him because he's going to remember at a young age, how like you could take it just, just two steps too far. And you got to, you, I, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a cool kind of learning moment. I even took a picture and I was like, Hey man, we'll look back on this like 10 years from now when you're, when you're maybe driving the truck. So it's cool. I'm excited to see the electric truck, man. That's cool. So shout out to YouTube, uh, because YouTube University has definitely been helping me with the truck. Um, you know, I know that there's probably a better way of doing it, but just YouTubing the problem I'm having and how to solve it has been really helpful. But it's definitely something to get used to. Do the, the torque on that thing is badass, and it's just like a regular truck. It looks like a regular truck. It's all good. Two questions: What's the range, and what's the towing capacity? So the towing capacity I need to look up because I. I don't tow uh, regularly. I, maybe it's 1500. I don't know. I, I, I would need to look. I, I don't want to speak out of line. I'm pretty sure the towing capacity is a normal F-150, um, but uh, the mileage drops significantly based on the YouTube experience I've had. So 
right now I got the upgraded battery to for longer life. So it gets about 300 uh, miles before you need to refill or recharge. But with a uh, towing behind it, I think it like almost cuts that in half. So that's something to consider. Yeah, because I mean, I the only reason I know a lot about towing capacity is because when we were buying our truck, we had like very specific towing needs for the Airstream. The Airstream, so legally, like you can actually get pulled over and get in trouble if you're uh, towing vehicle can't tow. I forget what the acronym is, but essentially like there's a weight on every trailer and Airstream that is like the heaviest it could be. Like the heaviest it could be if all the water tanks are full, if like it's fully loaded and that's what your vehicle has to be able to tow because legally you can't buy a vehicle that like, eh, you know, it can kind of get away with it if like my tanks aren't full and so on for safety reasons. So I remember that when we were buying our truck, we were looking for something that had a specific towing capacity because even in the F-150 alone, depending on, you know, the all sorts of things, they'll, they'll vary. Um, so according to this, the Lightning has a 7,700 towing capacity, which actually would be cutting it close because I'm pretty sure that's the exact number of our Airstream gross weight. Um, so, yeah. You got to take those extra chairs out of there, bro. No, so I, I obviously I was way off on my 1500. I mean, I was just, I was <laughs> off the, the, the in bed weight maybe. Um, but anyway, yeah, the payload. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the, yeah. so uh, yeah, look, that was a cool experience. I'm glad Katie got to experience it. Um, you know, it, it, it's fine. Um, but from a, from a gym owner perspective, like the new year should be our like favorite time of the year because you have new people coming in and it's on us. There's a lot of responsibility on us to make sure that people have a good experience because, you know, that could be the difference between them getting life-changing results for the next decade, decade plus, or them going back on the couch, which is our enemy right now. So that's, that's my take for, for, that's my hot take for this week. Yeah. Right. And on, on, and, and on that note, they should have a good experience not just on the gym floor, which is what a lot of people focus on, but to everything we've been talking about, they should have a good experience with the first person to email. They should have a good experience with the front desk staff when they walk in, and they should have a good experience with the general manager, whoever is responsible for selling them on a membership thereafter. And you have to recognize that it only takes, you can have three of those experiences be great. If one is subpar, that's it, you're toast, right? Like it, 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 it isn't one of those things where, hey, we're so focused on the product on the gym floor and that's a plus, but you know we have front desk staff that doesn't say, doesn't greet or doesn't say goodbye or you know someone that is too, maybe not too pushy, but doesn't do the right job selling them on the future thing. Like all those pieces need to be in place. Um, and I know it sounds like a lot, but you know, it, it is what it is. You know, it's, it's, the space is only gonna get more competitive and yes, a rising tide lifts all boats. But one thing I've been writing a lot about in the B2B newsletter, um, which people should sign up for if they don't sign up for yet, is the fact that like, you know, we kind of got to get our shit together, man. Like we do, there's a lot of opportunity out there, but there's opportunity that's going to be consolidated to the gyms and businesses that have their shit together. And there's going to be a lot of people on this long tail end of gyms that have been around for a while and are kind of like, you know, they're, they're keeping their head afloat that, are just going to be gobbled up, man. And and it's either you're going to be one or the other. You're going to be one that just, you know, it's been hard since COVID hit and just haven't been able to bounce back. And this might be the year where, you know, things get tough to the point where you have to shut your doors or you can be on the other side and be one of the gyms and businesses that really, really takes advantage of the momentum of people coming back to the gym in person, of people realizing how important health and fitness is and take advantage of that and, you know, double your business this year. Like it's it's one or the other. And I think now is the time for people to make the decisions to decide which side of the coin they're going to fall on. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about like getting our shit here as an industry, I think you're totally right. And I want to be a part of that solution even more and more and more. I think we try and talk about it, but we could we could always do a better job of sharing best practices. Obviously, if you're a part of the NCP Collective, you see a lot of the stuff that we put out, but that goes for jujitsu too. I mean, take any of these boutique spaces. Like we as an overall industry, should be trying to tell everybody like, dude, let's all just do a better job because the better we all do, the more people are going to get, you know, again, off the couch, which is going to drive more people in our locations long-term. I just think that's like a, a very like growth mindset way for us all to approach this. And I wish there could just be like a big magnify, like a ma magnify, megaphone, 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 a giant megaphone. 
that we could just like scream in all gym owners ears, like of any type, any fitness of any where, and just be like, guys, let's all like rise the tides. Let's all provide a premium service so that ultimately it's going to lead to more sustainability for the overall industry. And it's not going to be looked, not that I think it's looked down upon, but it could look even more premium <laughs> as like a way to really be healthy, especially coming out of COVID. Like people realize that, you know, you go to your doctor once a year, you go to your coach almost every day. There's a lot of opportunities to get improvements in the gym. Um, if you're open-minded to go in there. So speaking of which, so Ashley took me to, uh, uh, we went to, a. A hotel the other day for um we were just local like in a place called sonoma which has good wine and i go into the gym and uh dude this gym the they had no music which was it was fine no tv on it's fine it is awkwardly quiet right and so i get on the treadmill and i forgot to bring my shoes and so i take my shoes off and i just wear socks i don't know if that's kind of weird i'm not quite sure yet but man pete the looks i was getting doing uh 30 seconds on 30 seconds off on this treadmill bro Gabe I wish I had had a camera to show you like because it's completely silent right so you got all these people like kind of doing whatever they're doing one's on the peloton one's walking on the treadmill next to me and I start off I do 20 minutes first 10 is all warm-up I'm getting on and off leg swinging air squatting like really <laughs> getting ready right like the, the first 10 minutes is like 30 seconds on 30 seconds off 30 seconds walking, 30 seconds leg swing, 30 seconds walking, 30 seconds air squats, 30 seconds walking, 30 seconds doing some of this stuff. And then once minute 10 hits, that's when game time is. And I went from zero to a hundred, bro. I put that treadmill up. I cranked that shit. And you should have seen these people in the room because I'm getting off every 30 seconds, fucking panting, you know, oh man, never mind. You just had to be there. It was yesterday. It was great. No, I, I mean, Dude, I'm having no trouble imagining this whole scene. I don't know if anyone's told you, but you're very, a very unique looking individual. Like you stand out in a room, period. You're a specimen, dude. You're huge. And now you're in this like treadmill. Is it my heart? I, I can only I can only imagine the sounds that the treadmill is making. And <laughs> like and I had no shoes on. So it wasn't like it's getting absorbed by <laughs> like shock absorber. It's like <laughs> oh my god. In my defense, I did keep my socks on. Um, because I, I don't even know, I, it, it wasn't I like, when you went to like really high speeds, it felt a little slippery. I just didn't want to be that guy who's like being obnoxiously like fast on this thing and not wearing any shoes and being barefoot. I don't know. I didn't want to be that guy. Dude, I don't know if the socks were the difference between you being that guy and not being that guy. I think you were that guy. I was definitely that guy. I, I don't think anyone was like, oh, he's got socks on. Like not, nothing to see here. But that's the workout of the week for the podcast is 10 minutes. The way I like to do it is, especially like we were just talking about, you know, when you're traveling, when you're doing stuff, I like to designate a duration of time that I'm going to warm up. And I love the treadmill for just getting on and off, but the treadmill won't continue. Most of them, they have a sensor in there. So I get on and off like every 30 seconds. So I keep the sensor going. But I love leg swings before I do any type of, of running or sprinting. I always do leg swings, get my hamstrings warmed up. So I took 10 minutes and then crushed it for 10 minutes. And I think uh, as of yesterday, I did a 9% grade, which I normally, you know, it depends on the treadmill. And then you go up, you know, nine or 10 on the speed. Um, that's the workout. 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off for 10 minutes. Anybody's traveling, hit that one. It's my go-to favorite. And then I did some, you know, other stuff. Man, I I love that because they're they're like with a workout like that, there's there's no excuse not to get after it when you're out there. Like for you to stay at a hotel that doesn't have a treadmill is hard to believe. Yeah. You know, like it's gonna have a treadmill. I actually remember, you know, to your point, and now I guess it's been almost two years when we first moved to Texas and we um stayed at we were still in the airstream. And we were up at an RV place up in Austin. They had like this tiny little gym. It just had like a couple of dumbbells and a treadmill. Dude, you can go hard on the treadmill. Hard. With like interval stuff like that. Um, it's great. You don't need anything else. Bro, I finished it off. So I finished it off after I was done doing, um, I tried to walk, but I set it too high backwards. Because what I've been noticing is that sometimes I'll get some knee pain. 
And I've been trying to incorporate some more like backward walking and stuff. So not only was I the guy doing this- I'm imagining the people watching you now walking backwards on the treadmill a little too fast. <laughs> so now I get down my tennis and then I'm- This is the best. It, it was fine. It was good. I, I just, you know, and, and it, it's okay. I think the reason why it was so like abrupt is that there was no music and no TV on. I should have at least gone like turn on the TV or something, but I, there was just, there was nothing. No, no it was just so fucking, it was just so silent. And, um, you know, a lot of times in jujitsu, people roll um, with no music on. It's kind of like more Brazilian and it is a different impact. But in a hotel gym, dude, you got to have a little bit of beats going on. Otherwise, you're going to hear me huffing and puffing from doing 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off. Yeah, silence like that is is deafening. Definitely doesn't doesn't help. Yeah, for jujitsu, it's pretty interesting because when you're rolling jujitsu, uh, first off, if you're competing, there is no music. So, you know, that's something to think about. But um, you can really listen to your breathing when you're doing jujitsu, which I think plays a big role in, in trying to stay under control. There's probably some value in CrossFit to not listening to music. Um, if you want to listen to your breath, you know, like when you're on the track, it's a really easy way to listen to your breath. But when I'm just trying to like get in a good workout, like I don't want to like analyze myself that much. I'm just trying to like get through it and have a good workout. So, yeah, I think it's, it's a good thing to be aware of, right? Like it's good to be aware of your breathing. I think it's a good thing to do every now and then, you know, go no music, but going back to like what we're focusing on with the NC fit workout in, in 2023, you gotta have fun when you work out, man. Like, if you're not having fun, you're gonna get burnt out. Like, there's no, what's the point of going in there and treating this thing as like a chore every single time? And if music is the thing that like makes you go out there and just get after it and have fun and look forward to it, what the hell's wrong with music? Yeah. Um, but but I do like that that like every now and then, you know, going in there and kind of like recognizing your breathing, it's a good like lever to pull, you know. But I think that there's no reason why you shouldn't use music if that's something you enjoy for sure yeah dude next time i'll uh i should take it a video <laughs> next time i mean I, I don't like taking videos of other people so I, I probably wouldn't have done that but i could have just sent it to you um but uh anyways yeah all good man yeah the the, the two workouts going to one track you know it's 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 going to take some you know there's some adjustments here at nc fit i think that the path is clear though you know it's it's offering one premier program within our gyms. You know, we've talked about this a little bit, but if I could just go back in time, you make the best decision you can as you grow your business. And just because you're doing something today doesn't mean you have to continue to do it for the rest of your life. You can make changes and it's okay. And like having multiple programs and now having one doesn't mean that having multiple programs is a failure because that's what led us to where we're at today. And it worked for us for a long time. But we wouldn't have gotten where we're at today unless we had tried other things. And I think that, you know, people, when they look at our business, we've not hit home runs on everything. We haven't, and we never will. But we're also the company that's not afraid to try different things. And I think that in the long run, that, that'll be beneficial for us because for our team, they'll get exposure to doing new things. That'll help them in their career choices in the future. For our business, it'll help us recognize what worked and what doesn't. But if you never try and like, move the ball forward like you gotta try some stuff and sometimes it's not gonna work and i'll be the first one to raise my hand and say hey <laughs> that didn't work let's go back to the drawing board you just don't want to do that that often but it's okay to to fail not fail it's okay to pivot your business i think it's something that i'm telling myself um because at times you feel like when you make these shifts like it's because you're wrong well you weren't wrong you just tried something and now you're trying something new and the proof will come out in the future, you know? Yeah, it's so important to have that flexibility, right? And just understanding that you could be 150% sure that this is the right way to go, only to 30 days later, be 150% sure that that wasn't the way to go. And then what are you gonna do? Stick to your guns because you feel silly saying like, hey, I was wrong? Or are you gonna say, hey, we're gonna cut our losses here and make the right decision. And that way you only wasted 30 days as opposed to wasting 60, 90, maybe 365 days just because you didn't have the, the humility to be like, I, I messed up. Like that was the wrong call. And now we're going to make the right one. Yeah. I mean, that same thing goes with staff, right? It's like if you hire someone and you really felt at the time they're the right fit, you know, if you feel like 60 days from now, you're like, dude, this person is 100% not the right fit. 
I mean, ultimately, you're just doing them a disservice and the company a disservice. I know we've talked about this. It's easier said than done. But the point I'm trying to make is like, it's 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 okay to make that shift. It's okay. You, you I think you say like two things can be true at once. You could honestly believe that you're making the best decision possible, and then 130 days later, you could 100% believe that that decision was not the right decision. You know what I mean? Like it's okay. Like happens to the best of us, man. Got to be flexible. Got to pivot. Got to be agile. Hey, the NC Fit workout coming out in 2023. Workouts being tested. I'm testing a lot of them. I'm actually about to go test one right now. See if I can convince Caden and Ava to do one with me. Um, but we're going to be getting after these workouts. They're great. You know, two different athlete journeys in one workout. It's going to be an evolution. It's going to be a lot. Um, but if you haven't checked out the NC Fit Collective and you're a gym owner, I really think you're missing out. And if you're at Wadapalooza, make sure to come say what's up. I will be there. Uh, I'm working with Yeti to get some uh, tumblers for gym owners. So stay tuned on that. Um, that'll be coming out here pretty soon. That's right, man. Um, Bro, what are you doing for New Year's? Any last uh, final remarks? This is coming out. Today's the 29th. So this is coming out in like a week. What are you doing for New Year's? Dude, nothing much, man. We got a three-week-old, so we're, mm. we're laying low for now, trying to get into a routine. Um, that's it, man. Probably going to be up at midnight for New Year's, but just because I'll be changing a diaper. Oh, bro. All right. Yeah. My, my, mine will be a little bit different. You know, the kids, the kids will be with me though. 11, they're 11 and eight. So they'll have a good time. Um, Ava, dude, Ava got something from the store today. This is going to age me. Slay, slay girl, slay. Have you heard of this term? Like slay? Have you heard that? Like, that's yeah. Slay. She got something. It's like slay girl or slay something. I'm like, what the hell is slay? And, uh, so it just aged me today. So that's the word of the day, slay. Can't keep up with the vocab of these kids, man. Dude, can't do it. Well, brother, I hope you have a great day. Um, always good chatting. And uh, for those of you listening to the podcast that are enjoying these, simple ass, leave a rating, leave a review. Definitely helps out the podcast. And if you haven't joined our um, you know, bi-weekly gym owner newsletter, if you haven't checked out the collective, you got to do it. We have some really exciting things coming. And um, I hope you guys have an incredible week and a great 2023. Let's go.